0: This week we're going to talk about network uh, file sharing and we're going to take a look at um, three different ways to um, share files over the network. Um, One is NFS or the network file system. NFS allows you to share files between Linux and Unix clients. Then we're going to look at Samba which allows you to share files and printers between Linux and Windows machines and also um, Linux and Mac OSX machines. Um, OSX machines are nice because they can actually do NFS or Samba so if you have a Linux server running either service OSX machines can actually connect to it but Windows will definitely have to use uh, Samba to connect to your, uh, to your files on the Linux server and then the other uh, the protocol that we're going to look at is the FTP, which we already have been using on the client side. So let's start with uh, uh, NFS, the Network uh, File System. Like I said, NFS allows you to share files between uh, Linux and Unix clients. And l- let's take a look at how we would uh, we would export uh, a file system on the Linux server. In order to export a file system, there are several ways to do this. You can do it from the command line or you can use the GUI utility. The GUI utility is system, config, NFS, but of course you have to be in run level 5 and have a GUI interface, which I don't have right now. So I'm going to do it from the command line. To do it from the command line, all you have to do is um, basically edit the etc exports file. And in this file, um, basically you put the directories that you want to share and you tell it who you're sharing it to. So for example here I'm saying that I want to share my slash home directory with any client in the 192.168.118.0 network and, re- and I want clients in that network to have read and write access and to do synchronous writes. Now I have another, uh, I'm exporting another directory and that's the bar FTP pub and I'm also exporting it to any client on that same network. I want read and write and I want a synchronous writes and then I have this no root squash. Now what does that mean? Well basically, um, when you export a file system by default uh, it's exported as root squash. Which means that the root user on the client side does not have root access to that file system. That's the default. If you want the client side root id zero user to have root access, then you need to use this. So that's why I specifically put it in there because by default it would be root squash, which means it would just be given a privil- the root user in the client side on the client side would be given just the regular user privileges. So basically, that's what I've done here. I've added these two entries to my ATC exports. And now um, the services that I need to start in order to run my NFS server are basically uh, three main ones. Um, the first one is uh, service NFS start. I already started, so I'm just going to do a status. show you that it's running and it's running and NFS uh, when you when you start the NFS service it starts several other services and one of them is the this quota service and RPC now NFS depends on port map, so you also have to start port map. so you need to have service port map start make sure it's started and there you can see that it's running and the last one that you need is the NFS lock which actually helps you uh, lock in files when users are uh, using the files so let's make sure that that one's running service port map Uh, sorry it would be uh, NFS lock status and it is also running so those are the three services that I need in order to uh, run an NFS server the NFS service the port map service and the NFS lock service. Once I have all those three started then uh, I can uh, export my file system. Now let's say I edited the export fs, the etc exports file and I added another uh, share that I want to export. If I I don't really want to restart all these services, again the NFS in particular, one thing I can do is uh, run the command export fs minus r to refresh and that will actually um, refresh that and export anything that you've edited. Now, to see what uh, RPC um, services you're running, you can run the RPC info, RPC info minus P and localhost to see what's running on the localhost. And here we can see that I'm running NFS and I'm running the lock and a few others like the quota one. So those are the main ones that you need. So now it looks like um, I basically have an NFS server running. So um, let's take a look. So this is the server side. So now let's go to the client side and see how we would mount that. Um, to mount an NFS, server, uh, an NFS share, you could just use the mount command. And you could do mount and then minus T. specify the type and in this case it's NFS so you would do mount minus t NFS and then you would put um, the name of the server the share and then the mount point and any parameters that you want let's take a look at the AFS tab in my client and I will show you what I have done here here basically I already have specified all that information here so I'm basically saying mount on server NFS, which is uh, just a C name or uh, an alias in DNS for the, the the server, directory bar FTP pub, which more etc exports. This is the server again, bar FTP pub. So I know that that one's been exported. Mount that direct that that export on this server, on this mount point, and it's of NFS type. So that's one way of doing it. Another one is mount minus t nfs, then nfs colon var ftp pub, and then mount nfs. That's one way of doing it. Now nfs is just another, like I said, it's a C name for the actual uh, uh, server. So I could actually put the IP address as well. So 192 168 118 that one okay see and I ran that command so now if I clear and I do a df-h I can see that it's mounted that directory in there now I can unmount it, mount nfs and let's look at the fs tab again and it's also in the NF, in the fs tab so I can do a mount-a and then do a df minus h, and also see that it mounted it. Okay, so this is a static mount, and and this works pretty good, but it, it also utilizes resources. So let's say that you're not really using this, or you're using it sporadically. You don't want it mounted the whole, and you don't want it mounted the whole time because you don't want to waste those resources. So um, to help you out with that, there is a there's a cool tool called the AutoFS auto-mounter. And this is uh, um, especially useful when um, you have a lot of users on your Linux server and their um, home directory is actually auto-mounted on the client machine from a file server on the network. And you just want to do their mount only when they log in. And let's say they're logging in once a week so you don't want to have it mounted the whole time and you only want to mount it once a week, then then here is where it's helpful to use the auto mounter. So let, let's take a look and see how the auto mounter would work. Again, if we go to the um, if we go to the server side we see that we've exported the home directory on the on the server side. And now on the client side to configure the auto mounter we have to go to the main auto mounter file which is the auto.master in etc directory. So let's take a look at that. More etc auto, auto.master that's the main auto mounter file okay and in this file I can see here that um, basically what I'm saying here is that I'm going to specify all the parameters for the slash home part mount in the etc auto home and then I'm passing some parameters like the timeout of 600 so to look at, to look at the, the properties for this particular auto mount which is slash home I need to go and take a look at the home. so let's take a look at that file more etc auto.home so the auto.master tells you where to look for the, the mounting options for a particular uh, export in this case it's saying if you want to see what's going on with with the slash home go to the auto.home so let's take a look at auto.home now in order that home I'm saying that uh, basically here's the these are all my options okay so here I'm saying the the the, the type of uh, mount is NFS um, and these are just some other options like a soft mount and the different sizes and it's TCP but here's here's the big one okay so I'm mounting the uh, the share on nfs.csc570e.edu which is my main NFS server and then I'm mounting slash home colon and then and then the ampersand which is basically a wildcard for the name of the user and then I'm, I'm doing this for every single user. So um, this, what this basically is going to do is when a user logs in into the system again on these clients we've already configured NIS which uh, NIS does the authentication piece. Now the beauty is going to be uh, of this is going to be that when they log in with their NIS account which comes from the server side store only in one box, their home directory is going to get auto-mounted automatically from the uh, server as well. So basically the client side does not have the user uh, information or does not have the file information. This could be in two separate servers. So you're, you're basically uh, you, you can have these main two servers, one for authentication and one for file serving, and then you could have multiple client machines that basically auto-mount and query the servers for authentication. So uh, this is what it's going to do now. It's going to uh, automatically mount any user that exists on this machine and has a home directory there. It's going to automatically mount it here when the user logs in here. So let's let's test that. Okay, first I need to start the the autoFS. Um, the AutoFS service. So I'm gonna do EDC or I'm gonna do service AutoFS restart to make sure it's running Okay, if you want these services to uh, basically uh, continue running after reboot and make sure they start automatically, you want to do check config minus minus level. I want them running on levels three and five, and then auto fs and then on. So this basically says auto fs is going to run automatically on init three and init five okay and you could do the same thing for um, um, the client side uh, which for the server side which, which was uh, NFS, NFS lock and port map now on the client side for uh, um, something I forgot to tell you is that you, are, you need two additional services as well that we haven't talked about one is NetFS so you want to make sure that etc init.d or you could do it like this service netfs this is my client side so, okay so I'm gonna make sure that network file system is running and it is and so that's an important service that you need to run on the client side of course you need port map so let's make sure port map is running you need a portmap already for uh, for NIS so you should already have it running but let's make sure it's running and it is and you need NFS lock again to do file locking so NFS lock status make sure it's running and it is and now I'm just gonna verify that AutoFS is running to do the auto mounting okay so it is so now to test this I'm gonna log in in here with my NIS credentials for NIS, NIS student okay so I'm gonna do SSH NIS student at localhost localhost and I'm gonna type student which is the NIS password and that logs me in. Okay. And now if I do the F minus H, it's gonna take a minute, but here it's gonna show me that it it auto mounted just for me the the share home slash NIS student on the NFS server. Now, right now it's trying to query and find this stuff and this sometimes takes a little while but uh, there it is so it auto mounted home nis student automatically be- because of those options that I put on the auto That home and it mounted it on home nis student so this directory is actually a network share which automatically got mounted when the user logged in and that's the beauty of this because the user used NIS, which is a a, a piece to do the authentication which exists on a different server and and has all the information about the user there and it also mounted the file system which also exists on a different server and it did it automatically. So bi uh, julio.dxt, I'm just going to create a file Uh, Hello world, I'll go ahead and save that. Okay, so I save that I'm going to exit. Now if I go to the server this is now the server and if I go to home and I student and I do minus lrt there's my file toolio.txt and there's the hello world so that's the beauty of uh, AutoFS there. So that, that's basically is NFS on the client and server side. Um, Now let's talk a little bit about Samba. Uh, Samba allows you to basically um, share resources with Windows clients. So uh, normally you have shares on the Windows side and you want to mount them on Linux and Samba allows you to do this but also Samba can make a Linux uh, file system look like a Windows file system so that Windows users can access these and um, basically um, Samba like NFS has a, a tool that you can use to configure Samba and, and if you're on a GUI you can run it, system config Samba okay and this basically allows you to configure Samba but you need to be on a GUI interface which I'm not so in my case I'm gonna go to the etc Samba directory and show you the vi, the smb.conf which is the main Samba configuration file okay and the important things here is your workgroup name is important. You know you want to give it a name to your workgroup, which uh, um, which is like your domain in Windows basically. And then the server string is just um, basically that the the string that's going to show when you mouse over it on the Windows side. Um, there's different types of security modes when you configure the uh, Samba, but the most popular one is user and basically it just asks you for credentials, so you need to have a Samba user and a password when you, when you want to mount a Samba partition okay? and then you want to encrypt passwords, that's kind of important as far as security goes and in my case I'm only want to listen on interface, on my local interface, so I did this little thing here where I told it only to listen on vmnet 8 which is my uh, internal interface and then here's where you actually specify the shares. Okay, so on this server I have a share called data one. So it's like Windows Share. So on the Windows side it would be whack whack. Uh, the name of my server, which is in this case is NFS or Samba, they're both C names for the server. And then slash data one would be the name of the share. Okay, so that's the share name. And path is where it points on the file system. In this case, it points to slash data one. Now, if you want to give write access to this to the users, you need to do uh, you need to do this. You need to put read only equals no, or you could have put writable equals yes. Either one would work. But you need to make sure that this directory here has the actual Linux directory on the server side has the appropriate Unix permissions for write. So if you want everybody to write you need to do a chmod 7777 here before you share it otherwise nobody will be able to write. And here I'm just saying that uh, the valid users that can mount this are the root user, the NIS student user, and then if you want to use a group you could put the add symbol and then the name of the group. So here anybody in the NIS students group can actually do a mounting here. I'm telling it that this is a public share so everybody can see it and it's browsable and uh, root and NIS student are admin users for the share okay so when you do this you have configured uh, your Samba options and there's a tool you can run called test parm to make sure that you have the right options that, that you uh, configured correctly and uh, it processes basically this file and then it, it tells you about your shares and um and it tells you your global options, which um, are these here. Okay. Now in order to start Samba, you need to do etc or service SMB start. I already have started, so I'm just gonna do a status to show you that it's running. Okay, so I, I it's here there are the two demons basically that make up samba which is the SMBD and the NMBD demon and they actually listen on port 139 and 445 which are the default on windows side okay so there it is 139 and 445 and since I told it only to listen on that vnet one on the VNet interface it's only listening on this IP address if I would not have specified that then it would have been 000 which means all the interfaces on this machine so that's basically how you share something through Samba and now let's go to the client side to see how you would mount it so here let's stay on the server side one more minute and and show the share to make sure that we're on the same page okay and this is basically the share so data1 is my share okay on the server side so here I'm gonna go to the client side and I, and I want to mount that you know on another Linux machine but I could do this from Windows as well if I was on Windows I would just go to start run and type um, okay. slash slash uh, NFS which is the name of my server and then the, the share which is data1 and they would prompt you for a username and password. And you would just type uh, NIS student which is the username, and student, which is the password. Now, since I don't have a Windows machine right here, I can actually mount it in Linux. And the mount command to do that would look something like this. So it would be mount minus t smbfs. Or you could just type smb mount. OK, instead of this, mount minus t smbfs, you could do smb mount. And then you could type slash slash SMB, which is the name of the server, which it could be NFS. They're both the same thing. They both point to the same server, but so I'm going to call SMB here just because we're doing Samba and it's easier to remember. So I'm going to mount slash slash SMB server, which is the name of the server and the share data one. And I want to mount it on Mount data one. Okay. And then I'm going to pass some options. So since I'm using, uh, I'm asking for a username and password by using the user security model. Uh, I need to pass that. So minus o username and I student slash password, which is equals to student. And um, and additionally, if you don't want to put this on the command line where everybody can see it, you could create a text file and point it to there with a different option. So that you could do that as well. And um, then the other thing I'm doing is I'm telling it to mount it as the UID 530, which is the UID of the user NIS student. And I can show you that here. More etc password pipe grab NIS student. You can see that 530 is his uh, UID and the group ID is 1500. So UID, 530, GID, group ID, 1500, Okay, So I'm going to run it. And this, for some reason, takes a little while. But after a little while, you'll see that it does work. It will mount it. And I will do a DF uh, to show you that it mounted it. I'm not quite sure why it takes so long. It, it usually is faster than this, but uh, it's been taking this, this much time all week and uh, I'm actually going to check into it. But uh, it does work. You just have to be patient. So we'll wait a couple more seconds. I just want to say that for the assignment, um, when you do the AutoFS piece, make sure that um, you already have a slash home created and mounted. So rename that home one or something when you do the AutoFS part. And then keep the the slash home partition uh, just clean, just basically with nothing in it so that when AutoFS mounts it, it mounts it on top of it and it's not being already mounted or used otherwise it would fail. Okay, so it looks like this is done. So I can do a DF minus h, and I can see here that it mounted SMB slash data one into mount data one. And if I do an NS lookup on SMB, you can see that it's the 182.168.118.1. If I do an NS lookup on NFS, it's the same thing. So they're both aliases for the same machine. Okay, so it mounted it there. So if I go to uh, mount and I do an ls minus LAH, I can see that data1 was mounted as NIA student and NIA students as the group because I specified that options, those options when I ran my mount command. Let's go back and see. Because I specified this UID and this GID here in the mount command. Okay, If you don't do that, it will do it as root and then your users will not have the right permissions. So make sure you're uh, aware of that. So if I go to data one, I can see that I have a file there. I can actually copy my ETCF stab there. Here, and I have write access, OK? And um, I could remove it, OK? And I can also SU and as student. see the amount data one, so now I'm, now I'm the user and I am student and I want to see PTCFS tab into here, and now look at the file and see that I was able to write to it. Okay, so I'm going to remove it. Okay, exit and that basically takes care of Samba and then the last one that I'm going to talk about is FTP. You guys have already been uh, using the FTP client, but to configure an FTP server in Linux, um, you basically uh, you go to the etc. The there's a very secure FTP client or oh, server on the Linux side called VSFTPD and BSFTPD has several security features that uh, that uh, previous FTP servers had different vulnerabilities and were really insecure and uh, um, this one has been rewritten and uh, they've added a lot of security features but um, if you want to configure your FTP server basically you edit this file the bsftpd.com inside the etc vsftpd directory so let's take a look at that file and look at the main things Okay. Here, you, you decide whether you want anonymous users to uh, to FTP to this machine. In my case, I said yes, but most people say no. You only want users with local accounts to be able to access it, the FTP server, and you don't want anonymous users, so some people have that. In my preference, I want everybody, because this is where I'm serving the Red Hat files, and I wanted uh, everybody to have that. Um, so local enable equals yes, that's to allow local users to log in okay write enable if you want people to actually write to your FTP server um... now this is the umask with which uh, the um, the files are going to be created with so remember to to calculate what the permissions will be you subtract this from 777 which would be 7-0 will be 7 and then 7-2 will be 5 so 755 will be the permissions of any file written to that directory okay so that's basically the two main ones one extra thing that I've asked on the assignment is to put a banner and that's what you do here FTPD banner so when somebody FTPs to your box anything after the equal sign here and you have to take this comment out will will be displayed on the screen. Okay, So uh, that's basically all you have to do to to get an FTP server running and then all you have to do is service start VSFTP let need that D there. I don't know. Oh, I did that wrong. BSFTPD start. Okay. So you put the service second and then the start after that. So now it's running. That's that minus that, B by prep21, which is the port for FTPD, and there you can see that it's running. Okay. And FTP localhost there it is so it's running and working okay so that basically covers all the topics for this week